You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. I want to begin with this thought and this idea. You matter. You. Sitting in the pew, wherever you are, you matter. Your life, you have value and worth and dignity. You matter. You're important. Your thoughts, your ideas, your dreams, your wishes, your, all of these intimate things about you are important. You have a purpose. Now, I know in some ways this could sound like some sort of self-help speech. But the truth is, the reality is that you, as an individual, you are important. You're not an accident. You're not here randomly. You're important. Your life has value and dignity. And you are made in the image of God. This is important. And I want us to remember how important this is. Because if you're important, and if you're valuable, if you have dignity and worth, then what does that mean for the person sitting next to you? They too have value. What does that mean to the person you don't care for and don't like very much? They too have value, worth, and dignity. What does that mean for the hard people that are difficult? They too have value, worth, and dignity. What about the person in far reaches of this world in a little tribe somewhere in a nondescript place that's very different than what we have? They too have value, worth, and dignity. The child in the womb, value, worth, and dignity. The elderly person in their 80s or 90s or hundreds perhaps, value, worth, and dignity. The person with Alzheimer's that doesn't remember, value, worth, and dignity. You see, this is important. And last week we began this series of messages on the foundations of a Christian worldview, if you will. How we see the world, what's important to us. And we began with this idea of creation, that God created all things. And this worldview is important. It does stand in contrast to other worldviews. There are worldviews that would see the world as naturalistic. That all things are just here, Again, through millions and billions of years, through chance, as I would see it. There are other worldviews, but yet we have a specific worldview that God created. Now listen, I told you last week, this message is not meant to be an attack on different things. It's meant for us to see, listen, there are differences in how people see the world. How do we see the world? 
How do we understand the world so that we can, again, not win arguments, but reach hearts, to win hearts? And so we saw that God created and made all things. And because of that, people have value and worth. We saw that there is a sense of morality, that there is an objective morality in this world. It's not subjective. It's objective because it's based on God. And so we saw that this is an important part, but today I want us to see the second part of creation. Not only did God create everything, but within that, God created people. God created you and I. So I want you to look this morning, you can open to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. He said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let us pray. Father, help us this morning as we consider your truth and your word. Now, we are made in your image. We have value, and worth, and dignity. So, Lord, help us to see that and be reminded of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few things we see in this, not only this passage, but the Bible as a whole. And as we consider this, the, the second part of creation, this worldview. I'm going to put up, uh, can we put up that visual that we had from last week? We see these pillars, if you will. These pillars of a worldview. So creation, the creator, then creation, mankind, and then we'll see the fall, redemption, mission, eternity. But this idea that people are made in the image of God is essential for how we interact with other people, how we live in this world. The very call to love other people hinges on this idea that, again, we love them not because they are lovable always. We love them because they are made in the image of God. If people are just cosmic accidents then is there really a call to love the hard people probably not but that is the key thing the first thing i want you to see we are not cosmic accidents even if you were an accident to your earthly parents not to god god knew that you would be here God formed you and made you and fashioned you. We saw that in Psalm 139, that God, again, He knew us even in our mother's womb. We were brought here for a certain time in a certain place. So we're not accidents. You're here in 2023 for a reason. You didn't live 150 years ago. You didn't live... 300 years ago, 1,000 years ago, you are here today for a reason. 
God has a purpose. If you are still breathing, you are. You have a purpose. You're not an accident. One of the most psychologically damaging things for a child or someone growing up is if they grow up thinking that they were just an accident. They were unwanted, discarded by earthly people, earthly parents. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that who grew up thinking they were unwanted? Sure. And that's a damaging thing. To live and to think that nobody wants you. But the truth is, because we are made in the image of God, we are wanted by God. He knows us and He loves us and He cares for us. We're not accidents. The second big thing I want you to see is that we are made in the image of God. The image of God. Now, this is a big theological concept, and there's been many things written about it. What does it mean? What does it mean that you and I are made in the image of God? What does it mean that we are made in His image? A couple things. I want you, again, to look at your Bible, Genesis 1, 26. So he says, and when He makes us in His image... Let us make man in our image. Again, when we see our image, we're reminded of that divine trinity. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And he speaks about dominion. So one of the things about being made in the image of God is that in some way we are his representatives on this planet. He has made us to be His representatives, to have dominion, to care for this earth. I know sometimes we set these things aside. Did you know that we have a mandate as people to care responsibly for the earth? Did you know that? I know sometimes we don't think that that matters. We hear there's a lot of politics and all these things. But guess what? We're called to have dominion and to care responsibly for this earth. Did you know that? That's one of the things about being made in His image, that we are called to do that. But the second part, and there's a lot that goes into it, but the second aspect of being made in God's image is that in some ways we are like God. He's made us in certain ways that we share some of His attributes. Now, not His divine attributes, if you will, but his, our ability to think, to reason, to process, to create and make. I believe all these things are being made in God's image. To be able to create, think of God's imagination in creating this planet and colors and animals and all the things that we see. People too create and make. And because we are made in God's image, we have value. We have worth. We're not just discarded. God's made us special, and the other thing 
is. So we are not accidents. We're made in His image and we are unique. People are unique. Yes, while in a lot of ways we know that we share similarities with the animal kingdom. We, there are. But aren't we unique? We're different than the animal kingdom. There are differences. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. We have an ability, again, to think, reason, and create. This separates us from the animal kingdom, doesn't it? Now, sometimes you can point to and say, oh, wow, see, look, animals can do this or that. But the truth is, when we're real honest, we recognize there is a difference between us and your cat, right? We love our pets. But we don't depend on our cat to do our taxes, do we? We don't go to the zoo to ask for counseling. Yes, they can. We love animals, but the truth is we recognize that there is a fundamental difference in the ability to comprehend. Again, to create, to govern. Think of all the things human beings have been able to do and accomplish through the millennia. Now, with that, we've done plenty of evil. But we've done plenty of good. And so human beings, they are unique. They're separate. We're not the same. I know sometimes people say, you know, oh, our dogs are like our children. That's true. But we still treat them differently than our children, don't we? It's not a good thing if you put your child in a cage overnight. Just hear that, okay? That's not the same, right? You would be in jail if you did that. But we do that with our pets sometimes. So it's fundamentally, we see that. It's silly a little bit, but it's important to understand that there is a fundamental difference. It doesn't devalue animals. We love them. Again, I believe we should care. I think that's part of our creation mandate that we should should care for them. But again, we know that God's made us unique. With that, He's made us with the ability to, again, to care and have dominion over this earth and over animals. But we are unique. We're special. And with that, so we're not accidents. We're made in His image. We're unique. But with being this, this uniqueness, we can know God. We have the ability to have a spiritual connection, to know God on a spiritual level. You see, we're not all just physical. There's more to you than your physical body. There's a deeper part of you and I, and again, this is a, this is a biblical Christian worldview. And this, is, this is important. Because not all people see it this way, and we just have to see that and understand it. That one of the big clashing points between worldviews is the fact that we would see that there's something deeper than just our physical body. We have a soul. 
spiritual side. We're not just made up of our flesh and bones and our skin. There's something deeper. And in that depth, you and I, we can know God. We can have a spiritual relationship. We can be connected with God. You see, in Genesis, when God created Adam, created for relationship. Do you remember he told Adam, and this is one way we see there's a uniqueness between man and animal. He said to Adam, it's not good for man to what? Be alone. He had all sorts of helpers, right? But there was none that were suitable for him. And in that, Adam and Eve, they were able to have a relationship with God. And that's a big thing. You and I, as people, we are able to know God and to have a relationship with Him. And we'll talk about how in a moment. But there's a spiritual side of us. And I believe in that there is a side of us that, again, we can ask deep theological questions. Philosophical questions. With that too, you and I, people, there is a hunger inside of people to know God. There's a reason why in any culture, at any time period, there is some sort of religious impulse in all people across all spans. You go to any, again, find a tribe in the middle of any nation, there is a religious impulse to know God. Now, as Christians, we believe that there is a specific way to know God, but what that shows us is that humans are made with that impulse. You don't have to tell people that there's something beyond ourselves. It's, I believe it's part of our DNA. Many of you have heard of Blaise Pascal, mathematician, many years ago. And he said something to this effect, that all people are made with a human heart. Well, here we go, here's the quote. God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only God the Creator may know through Jesus Christ. There's a God-shaped vacuum, Pascal said, in every heart. So think of a hole in every heart that's shaped like God. We can know God. Now so what? So what about all these things? What's the big deal? Why does this matter in creating a Christian worldview? Why does it matter that we're not accidents or we're made in God's image or we're unique and can know God? What does it matter? Why why would I make such a big deal of this? Well, for one, we affirm as Christians the value and dignity of of all people. All people have dignity. The poor, the homeless, 
those of a different race, ethnicity, all people. All people have dignity. And when someone suffers, we should try as God's people to alleviate that suffering. Why? Because they have dignity. We try to alleviate suffering when we can. And with that, we value life. I'm unashamedly pro-life in that sense. But I've heard it said, and I think this is very important. When we are pro-life, we should be pro-life from the womb to the tomb. Have you heard that? We don't just value life in the womb and devalue life outside. No, we should value life from the beginning to end. And that means that at times, guess what? Listen, I've shared this with you before. Politics don't interest me much. I mean, in some sense it does, just because it's crazy. But I'm not worried about politics. I'm worried about morality. And so if one party says this and one party says this, it doesn't matter to me. What matters is that we value life. All of life. And if one party says we're going to value life here but not here, and then the other party says we're going to value life here but not here, that doesn't matter to me. What matters is that we as God's people We value all of life. It's important. And so, we care for people. Now, I always, when I write a sermon, I always anticipate the skeptic. Because sometimes I'm skeptical. I anticipate the skeptic and say, wait a second, preacher. You say all this, But Christians have not always done these things. Christians have not always valued life. Christians have done all sorts of terrible, evil things. And the answer is, you're right. You say, well, okay, then how can you say that your worldview, how can you say that it values life when people, Christians, have devalued life? The actions of people does not take away from the truth of something. Something is true whether people follow it or not. True is true. The other side of that is while that is true, that Christians have done things that aren't pro-life, I believe that it's these values that always woo us back and bring people back. It's like a life preserver. It brings people back to safety, the values that we should hold dear. And let me illustrate that for you. One of the great atrocities of our nation, we know slavery. And the slave trade that brought it. And the reality is there were Christians that were a part of that. There's no denying it. However, did you know that many of those that were abolitionists were Christian? 
those that helped defeat the slave trade, many were Christian. William Wilberforce, for example. And so what, I, what I'm saying is that there were Christians that saw, wait a second, this does not match up with what we believe and value in life. And so Christians began to say, wait a second, we need to rethink this. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon was not popular in the American South because of his view? And we love Charles Spurgeon. Rightly so. But in that time period, there were Christians that didn't like him because of the stance that he took on slavery and racism and things of that such. And so Christians are involved in this. And so I believe that a big part of the, these institutions being demolished, there was a Christian impulse for that. Harriet Beecher Stowe, many of you know, Uncle Tom's Cabin, there's a Christian impulse. And so we see that Christians are involved in all of these things. So while, yes, we have done things that are bad, there's been many others that say, wait a second, we need to rethink this. We need to live according to God's word and to the value of all people our failings do not make things less true it only means that we haven't fully lived up to those things we believe again think about it on a small level you and I we don't live perfectly do we does that make what Jesus did for us less true no it just means that we aren't quite there yet. And so we value life. We ought to value life. So for us, the challenge is when we see things in the world happening, we should ask, how do we best as God's people, how do we best value life? Now, I wish it was always easy. We live in a world of very complex things now. There's a great complexity to all living in a modern world, and sometimes it doesn't always seem like there's an easy solution. We hear you up there. But we ought to always value life. We always should be on the side of valuing life. And so when you consider that, when you think about these worldviews, in this life, <laughs> not as smart as we are. Point. They want. That's right. They like what we're saying here. But when you consider worldviews, when you consider the different ways of seeing the world. There are differences. There are differences if a worldview doesn't see life as valuable. Then the destruction of life, again, doesn't matter at what stage of it, doesn't matter as much. If somebody sees humans as just like the animal kingdom, no different, 
then what would be the difference between hunting deer and hunting people? I mean, let's be honest, right? If we're nothing more than just animals, then maybe there could be human hunting season. You say, well, that's atrocious, Pastor. What well, is? Because we know humans matter. And humans matter not just because we have families and we love each other. The deers have family too. We matter because we're made in God's image. You see, if we're nothing more than just a collection of atoms, if we're nothing more than just meat on bones, then were things like the Holocaust or genocide, were they really that big of a deal? Of course they were. Because life is valuable. Humans are valuable. And so we need to always be understanding that as worldviews shift, things can happen where life begins to be devalued. A few years ago, there was a young adult book series. Maybe some of you have seen it or read the books. It was called The Hunger Games. Anybody see The Hunger Games? Probably, maybe some of you, yeah. Set in the future. Sort of dystopian future. Everything's changed. It's way in the future. And there's rebellion in the land. And one of the things that they, that they do in this future is that every year they select a young teenager from each district. And then they put these teenagers in a stadium, if you will. And they fight to the death. The plot of it. And there's a whole lot to it. But the idea of that goes back to the reason that is really possible, even in this make-believe world, is, again, you see the devaluing of life. They're not people. They're just participants now. It's not murder in this story. It's just a part of what happens. And so we have to always, and this is made up, right? It's not, it's not real, but yet we have to always pause when we see things happening that devalue life we have to say wait a second life matters because we're made in God's image if we're just flesh and bones then those things in the deep part of us that you can't see do they matter does love matter? If you can't see love, is love just a biological impulse to procreate? There would be many people that believe that. Is your love for your spouse, is that, is that all that there is? It's just this biological, physiological response? Or is there something deeper? Oh, I believe there's something deeper. Because when I see men and women, I've seen this a lot in this church, 
when I see a man or woman caring for their spouse, caring for them even when their spouse no longer, sometimes no longer has their mental capacity, physical capacity, their spouse can no longer do anything to help them. And I've seen you, some of you, sacrificially care for your spouse on their deathbed. And that's love. And that love cannot be explained biologically. In fact, biologically, You'd say, well, you have no reason anymore to love this person. They can't help you anymore. They're, no, loyalty. Why, where does that come in, right? But you love deeply. That's a part of our spiritual nature. And I've seen that in action. And that cannot be explained. That cannot be explained naturally. The supernatural love, I believe, comes from us knowing that every life is created in God's image. And yes, non-Christians have done that too. And I believe it's, again, that impulse that we have being made in His image. You see, we matter. You matter. You matter so much to God. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a Roman cross for you and for me. Our foundation, our worldview is built on that truth. But God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. He loves you. Your life is valuable. That's just great love. The greatest love of all history. You matter to God. And if you and I, if we will put our faith in Jesus in his death, burial, resurrection, we can have that relationship with God that we talked about. And this is important. Because your life has great value to God. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Because that, if we take that away, if we take away value to people away, then our world's going to look a lot different, isn't it? So you and I and everybody around us matter to God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth and reality that we, we, your people, all people, we are made in your image. And people have value and worth. And God, I pray that, Lord, there would be something, Lord, something today, Lord, that has been said that would remind us of the, the dignity and worth of people. 
Lord, may we be inspired to, to care. To care for the people around us. Lord, may we be inspired to care for physical needs. Even today, we've heard about kids in our schools needing food. There's oh so many physical needs around us, Lord. Lord, may you inspire us to care for the hurting. Lord, the sick, the shut-in. Lord, those in nursing homes and facilities, God, may we, Lord, forgive us so often, God. We, we don't do as we should, and Lord, even myself. it's free, easy to lose sight of people but God let us not be that way let us value the people that you put in our life the people around us the Lord is culturally Lord may we be a culture that values all life from womb to the tomb Show us, God, how we can live that out. But, Lord, let us hold to these truths and these ideals, not, Lord, with anger or venom, but love and compassion. Even for those who disagree with us, Lord, help us to love all people. Lord, we can love you first loved us you loved us through your son Jesus who shed his blood on a cross may we believe in him so Lord may you work and move this morning for your glory in Jesus name Amen